Coming up on today's edition of the Locked On Raiders podcast, we'll talk about the team's struggles in the red zone, we'll talk about the NFL trade deadline, and you'll get your calls and texts all coming up on Wednesday's edition of the Locked On Raiders podcast, October 18th, 2023. Your Locked On Raiders, your daily podcast on the Las Vegas Raiders, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Just win. Welcome in Raider Nation to another edition of the Locked On Raiders podcast. Thank you so much for making the show your first listen of the day. Make sure you subscribe or follow for free on YouTube or wherever you get your podcast to get the latest edition of the show as soon as it becomes available. Of course, as always, if you're checking us out on YouTube, you know we appreciate you in a major way. Three minutes, 30 minutes, 33 minutes, whatever the case may be, we appreciate that. And we appreciate my man Ari who makes sure we're up on YouTube each and every day. You can hit him up on Twitter at Ari Produces. You can hit me up on Twitter as well at your boy Q254. We got the Lockdown Raider Podcast voicemail line at 707-654-4693. Your calls and texts will come up in segment number three of today's show. Segment number two, we'll talk about the NFL trade deadline. It's less than two weeks away. Will the Raiders be buyers? Will they be sellers? Or will they just let it go on by without anything being done at all? That'll come up in segment number two. Here in segment number one, as always, I'd like to hit you with the news and notes of the day. And as we get into it, let's go ahead and start off with the red zone struggles. That is the big uh, elephant in the room. Uh, the Raiders win the game against the Patriots 21-17 uh, to 17 on Sunday, but the game should have been a blowout. The Raiders made it to the red zone six times, and they were only able to capitalize once. Something that I talked about on Tuesday's show that I wanted to make sure I kind of emphasize and, and had uh, plenty of time to talk about. That's just not going to get it done, right? And, and they'll win a couple games. You know, they'll beat the Packers. They'll beat the Patriots. They might even beat the, the Bears this upcoming week with struggles in the red zone. But when you start playing the Detroits, when you start playing the Kansas Cities, when you start playing the Chargers, when you start playing the Miamis, teams like that, and they have all those teams and then some on the back end of their schedule, it's going to be really, really tough to pick up a victory. You're not going to beat them with Daniel Carlson going out there kicking four for four on field goals. You're just not. So on a Monday, we had a chance to catch up with head coach Josh McDaniels. And uh, one of the questions that I asked him, and we played a lot of the sound bites on Tuesday's show, but one of the questions that I didn't bring to the show on Tuesday, I wanted to say for today, was about the red zone and the fact that they were able to get up and down the field, have some nice, long, sustained drives, like 18 play drives but they only resulted in field goals. So you hear my question to Coach McDaniels, and you'll hear the answer when it comes to the struggles in the red zone. You guys had some pretty long, sustained drives, but then got to the red zone and bogged down. Do you understand what the like disconnect or what's happening? There's no disconnect. It's just, it's to me, it's when you get down there, there's a premium on everything we do, you know? And so uh, we had multiple penalties down there that, that cost us. We had two holding penalties and an offensive pass interference. Um, that puts you now in first and 20 or second and 20, um, you know, in an area where that's really difficult to, you know, overcome. Um, and then we missed some opportunities. We had opportunities. We didn't, uh, w- whether it was the running game or the passing game, we just didn't quite capitalize on them. Um, again, it, down there, it's all about details and execution. There's very, very little margin for error. And, when you make an error, it usually is, you know, exacerbated, um, you know, ends up in either a negative player or, or you're kicking field goals. So uh, we fell behind the sticks, I think, three times down there in the red zone. And uh, when you do that, it's very difficult to overcome. 
So, you know, obviously we have to do better. I have to do a better job of trying to get us to play penalty free and be able to capitalize on the opportunities that we have. Um, the good about that is, is, you know, you play good enough to get it down there as many times as you do. Now let's fix that. Let's fix that area of the field. Let's play our best football down there going forward. Um, what does that look like? You know, what's that game going to be? You know, and so um, in in that regard, I'm a glass half full guy, and we're going to try to fix that. We're going to do everything we can to do that. And if we start playing well down there, and we're moving the ball, and you know, we I thought we played well on third down enough yesterday to get it down there. Uh, now we got to capitalize on our opportunities. So there was Coach McDaniel's right there talking about the not disconnect. He said there is no disconnect, but he did bring up the penalties and that being a big issue in the red zone, also turnovers. And, you know, the Raiders had uh, multiple penalties and the turnover in the red zone when they had the pass to Devontae Adams that was behind him and he got uh, hit really hard by Jabril Preppers and really set him up for failure. And he's had way too many of those balls that have set him up for failure, get him hurt out there uh, th- this season, you know, with Jimmy G throwing him the rock. It's just not okay. You cannot set your your wide receivers up for failure like that. But just getting back to the red zone, uh, Coach McDaniel's brought up the execution, brought up the penalties, brought up the turnovers. Not really too much of the play calling. But I'll say this: I do think that there needs to be more of the passes into the end zone. What you saw from Jimmy G when he hit Jacoby Myers, that's more of what I was thinking this red zone was going to look like, or the red zone offense was going to look like this year. You were going to see much more attempts straight into the end zone, not you know the fade route, not the the throw to Devonte that looks like it's headed to Devontae, but it's sailing smooth over his head. It's out of bounds. That's the worst play ever, right? And a lot of times when the Raiders throw the ball in the red zone, they're throwing it short of the end zone and expecting a guy to make a play, you know, break a tackle or two. You've got to be able to throw the rock into the end zone. And that's something that, you know, was talked about when it comes to Jimmy G. He's really good throwing the ball into the end zone. We haven't seen that enough. But the penalties that he's talking about, the turnovers that he's talking about is a valid thing. I would just like to see a little bit more aggressive play calling as well. And I know the offensive line has a little bit to do with the the play calling, but would love to see a little bit more explosive play calling in the red zone. Uh, take How about this? The Raiders are 25th in the NFL right now, turning red zone possessions into touchdowns at 40.9% of the time, which is down from 48.9% of the time last season. So we know that they weren't great in the red zone last year. They're even worse this year. That to me, tells you right now that they're on the struggle bus. Then they're only converting on just 35.7% of their trips in the past three games, and they went 2-1, and one, which kind of lets you know about the competition that they face. Also teams that struggle in the red zone. And look, to be 100% clear, the offenses across the league are struggling, right? And they're, they're, well, at least the points are down. They're, they're, they're lower than, than what they have been, and, and more teams have been struggling in the red zone. But You know, the Raiders just need to worry about themselves and worry about cleaning it up. Uh, Again, going back to those penalties, they're not a team that's going to be able to overcome, you know, second and 20, first and 20, uh, second and 15, third and 11, right? They're not going to be able to overcome that. That, that's too hard for this team. There's only a handful of teams, probably like two or three teams in the league right now. I look at Miami as a team that they can have a second and 20 and, oh, no worries, there's one big chunk play coming and here they go. They got a first down. Kansas City routinely has done that as well. Uh, not really as much this year as they have in the past, but those are a couple teams just off the top of my head that I think of that, yeah, they can overcome the, the second and long, the third and long, and still have no problems uh, executing. The Raiders, they're not built like that. They've got to stay ahead of the chains. Uh, Mick Lombardi, the Raiders offensive coordinator, we met with him and Patrick Graham, the defensive coordinator on Tuesday at the Intermountain Health Performance Center. And Mick Lombardi, the OC, was asked about the struggles in the red zone and what they have to do to have better success. And he gives a couple answers here. Here's Mick Lombardi, the Raiders offensive coordinator. First of all, we can't commit turnovers. That's one. And the second one is we can't commit penalties. 
you know, you look at the first drive in the game, you know, we're down there, we have a third and one on the nine yard line and we pop a run to the four with JJ first down on the four yard line and we get a holding penalty, you know, that's unacceptable. We can't do that because that now it's, you know, first and 20, you know, third and 11 all the way backed up to the 16 yard line. Same thing. Movable down the field, we get offensive pass interference penalty on with Jacoby. Now it's second and 20. So those are impossible situations. The red zone's hard enough. When you put yourself behind the sticks and then commit turnovers, you're going to have a tough day. And that's unfortunately what we did. So we got to correct those moving forward. Again, technique based, execution based, and then concentration based. Because again, when you get to the red area, I think that first drive we had, the game was 18 plays or 17 plays. That takes a mental stamina to finish the game, finish the drive now, you know, in terms of execution. We did a good job to execute on third down throughout the series there, but um, our execution down there needs to be at an all-time high, and our mental stamina to finish those needs to be at an all-time high. Um, but players are you know, eager to fix that. They, they're aware of it um, and ready to go to work on that tomorrow. So there's Mick Lombardi's answers, and it's pretty much echoing what you heard from head coach Josh McDaniels, what he had to say about the, the struggles in the red zone. Again, going back to penalties, going back to execution, not necessarily play calling. Again, I think the biggest complaint I would have about the play calling in the red zone, you know, you even saw it late in the game on Sunday, uh, a couple runs with Josh Jacobs that really ultimately ended up getting like two or three yards and then a pass that really never had a, a chance to, to, to be completed at all. It was more like, a, hey, I don't want to turn the ball over, throw it out of bounds, uh, live to see another day, kick a field goal, and hope the defense can go out there and make a play, which they did. They made their play, they won the game, and it was all good from there. Uh, but I did have Amber Theo Harris, and I wanted you to make sure you heard this. Amber Theo Harris was on my radio show on Monday, and I asked her the same question about the disconnect in the red zone. And you'll hear me ask the question, and she says straight up, I know what the disconnect is. Amber Theo Harris is fantastic, Sirius XM Radio. Also, she does a silver and black show uh, for the Raiders with James Jones and Eric Allen. So she's been around the NFL for a very long time. Here's that exchange between myself and Amber Theo Harris talking about the disconnect of the Raiders' red zone offense. I want to go back real quick to the red zone. It's something I asked Coach McDaniels about. I asked him, and I called it a disconnect. Like, hey, you had some really long drives, had the ball for a long time, and got into the red zone to kick the field goal. What's the disconnect? And he said it wasn't a disconnect, but what do you think the main issue for their red zone struggles are? I can tell you the disconnect right now. That very first drive, they had nine plays inside the red zone. Not one of them went to Devontae Adams. Yeah, that's a good point. Uh, here's, here's another disconnect. When you don't establish a run game, and then you get into the red zone and you can't hand the ball off to Josh Jacobs on first and second down, then you're not going to be a threat in the red zone. So there's a couple of things happening. The way that the red zone should go for the Raiders is you get in there, you hand the ball off to Josh Jacobs, definitely on first down, maybe second down, right? Then you take your shot. You get a couple of yards, you take your shot to Devontae Adams. It's just never that simple. Right. It's just not happening like that. I mean, I was ranting on the silver and black show a couple of weeks ago about, I said, it's, it's like Kobe or MJ when it's the final seconds or you're in the red zone, you got to get the ball in their hands. You know, who's going to take the final shot. Yep. If Kobe was on the court, you knew who was going to take the final shot. Why in the red zone are we not getting the ball in our playmakers hands? It's a very simple, but fair question. Um, and I get it sometimes. Okay. You know, you got to use, Jacoby, I'm, I'm sorry, um, Devontae Adams as a decoy, I get that, you know, I, I get that. And then Jacoby Myers, it, it worked once in the end zone to get him the ball. He's going to catch it if you do get it to him. But still, like, why are we just shying away from just just let them shoot their shot? Right. Let our best players shoot their shot. Yeah. And this was a problem last year. 
Do you remember that? Do you remember yeah. early on, especially last year? Yep. Raiders had, they were able to move in between the twenties. They were beautiful. Yep. Man, could they move the chains? You had Josh Jacobs out there banging them, you know, yards after contact. And then they would get in the red zone and it was three instead of seven. And I joked last night on the show, I have been horrible at math my whole life, but I can tell you <laughs> that is not the equation that you want. Right. I can, I can tell the difference, you know, between <laughs> seven and three and it's not good. Especially when you have multiple ch- six times right. and you get a touchdown once there's a problem with that. I, I get that. It's difficult. You know, everything becomes shorter. It's difficult, but good teams find a way to win. Uh, in the red zone. So I thought that was some really good stuff from Amethia Harris, and it kind of goes back to what I'm saying to throw the ball into the end zone. She's saying not only throw the ball into the end zone, get it to your best player. Get it to 17. Get it to Vontae Adams. And that's something I want to say Derek Carr struggled with that early, trying to find that 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 middle even of of when to target Devontae, when not to target, how much is force feeding them, how much is not targeting them enough, right? And and look, there's times and every quarterback that plays with Devontae Adams is gonna have to realize this. Even when he looks like he's open, he may not be open. He's probably not open. You've got to give him a chance. And, you know, four targets, five targets in a day is not good enough, especially when your offense is struggling. If you're in the red zone, Devontae Adams should be your first, second, and third read. (laughs) Right? I mean, Michael Mayer, I'm hoping that he's going to start coming into his zone. He needs to be a read. Jacoby Myers. But, again, it goes back to what I said earlier. Throw the ball into the red zone. There's not enough throwing the ball, and not in the red zone, but in the end zone. There's not enough throwing it into the end zone uh, on a line, right? There's too many fades, too many, you know, 50-50 balls. Look, I want to give my best player a chance. I see him, zip that thing in there, right? That That's just what really good teams do. They're able to find a way to get that get that going, right? And and I would like to see Josh Jacobs, you know, be used more in the in the red zone, even as a receiver, you know, even, and, and there was a game, I believe Aiden O'Connell was the quarterback when they played the Chargers, and he actually hit Josh Jacobs in the end zone, but uh, Josh was out of bounds. He had a foot out of bounds, so he wasn't able to come up with the, the, the receiving touchdown, but you know, Josh could catch the ball too. So since they've been on the same page with him as far as checkdowns and everything goes, um, you know, maybe they can get him the ball. Uh, again, I don't like throwing the ball short of the end zone and making him hoping that he can make a guy miss and then get in the end zone. But, you know, even as an outlet, he could be used as times at times as well. So uh, that's all I got for you for the red zone and the Raiders' struggles. Again, they just aren't scoring enough. You are one for six in the red zone. You're not going to win too many games. They beat the Patriots. They beat the Packers. Probably could beat the Bears like that. But the game after that, the Lions, that's not going to work. That's all I got for you on the red zone. I did want to give you one more quick note. Uh, practice squad update. Uh, the Raiders made a move on uh, on Tuesday. They signed tackle Jalen McKenzie to the practice squad, and they released wide receiver Malik Flowers from the practice squad. And these are almost daily updates, right? Malik Flowers, if you remember, he was just signed last week, uh, so he really didn't get too much burn at all. Now another player that can come and potentially be a part of the Raiders' offensive line rotation is tackle Jalen McKenzie. He's now part of the practice squad. So that's all I got for you for segment number one of today's Locked On Raiders podcast. Coming up in segment number two, will the Raiders be sellers? Will they be buyers at the trade deadline? Or will they not make any moves at all. All that will come up in segment number two after I tell you about our great partners at eBay Motors, the fact that they've teamed up with our Locked On Fantasy Football host, Vinny Iyer, to bring you some of the best fantasy picks each week all season long. It doesn't matter if you're getting ready for a daily draft or scouting the waiver wire. Every single week, we're going to provide you players that are guaranteed to fit on your roster. So let's check out to see who Vinny picked this week. And he was really, let's see, he was looking at wide receivers, George Pickens, Christian Watson, Drake London, 
Hmm. How about we go with George Pickens? Let's see what he has to say about George Pickens. He said, George Pickens got further locked as a second-year wide receiver for the Steelers before the week six bye. Hooking up with second-year quarterback Kenny Pickett for six catches, 130 yards, and a big touchdown on 10 targets against the Ravens. He also had a rush for 16 yards. Pickens is just being trusted to make plays, even in tough matchups by a young passer with whom he has great chemistry. The Rams and Jaguars aren't the easiest draws in the next two games, but Pickens' physical talent can rise above them with his size and field-stretching ability. Vinny Iyer from Locked On Fantasy Football is going to help you win your fantasy championship, and eBay Motors knows a championship team is about each player being a perfect fit. Same with your vehicle. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you can make sure your car stays running smoothly. Brake kits, LED headlights, roof racks, bumpers, whatever your ride needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit on your car the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber. You're not burning cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. eBay Guaranteed Fit, only available to U.S. customers. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Your Locked On Raiders, your daily podcast on the Las Vegas Raiders. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, Raider Nation, here we go. Segment number two of today's Locked On Raiders podcast. Want to talk about the trade deadline. The NFL trade deadline comes up October 31st. That's Halloween. That's less than two weeks from today. And there was a time not too long ago where the NFL trade deadline was the worst deadline trade deadline in sports, right? Because nothing happened. Nothing. Everyone said, we're not making any trades during the regular season. No, we'll just make some moves during free agency and we'll make some trades then in the offseason, but not during the regular season. That is not something that's possible until it was. Until you got a little bit younger, uh, you know, GMs in their front offices, guys that are a little bit more aggressive. Uh, Obviously, some analytics started being brought into the mix as well. Then all of a sudden, you started seeing some moving and shaking. And so now, all of a sudden, it's become... A pretty exciting time, right? The NFL trade deadline, depending on who you are, depending on if you're a team that you feel like you're a player or two away and you can make a a step in the right direction, or if you're a team like the Raiders that uh, don't feel like you're a Super Bowl team but feel like that you have some really good talent and you could be looking for a guy that could be looking for his way out of a team that's really bad or a guy that's looking for a contract extension and that team's not really uh, thinking about giving it to him, and you feel like that this could be someone that could be a player on your team for not just this year, but multiple years to come. So with that being said, will the Raiders be buyers? Will they be sellers? Or will they do nothing at the trade deadline, which is less than two weeks away? And I'm really going to focus on them being buyers, right? I think that we all know the rumors that are out there about the player or a couple of players that could be potentially on the way out. By the trade deadline, I think everyone would agree that Hunter Renfro would be that guy, right? If they're going to trade somebody, it's going to be Hunter Renfro, right? He's the one guy that is non-existent. He's on the back of a milk carton. Nobody is, uh, you know, but no, he's just not getting any burn at all. I mean, the last game, really, his biggest play was fair catching a punt uh, after the safety, right? And that's a shame. I mean, the guy is way too talented not to be used. But that's a conversation for another day. I think we could all agree that if there's a guy that's going to get traded, it's going to be him. And you know what? At this point, they're not using him anyway. They're paying them. They might as well go ahead and trade them to someone that will use them, and maybe they can get something good in return. So I do believe that the Raiders are going to go and look to bring people in or at least bring a guy in 
Uh, you know, we had the reports from Diana Rossini, who's now part of the athletic saying that the Raiders have been calling around the league for, uh, you know, for edge help. Uh, somebody to, to compliment Max Crosby to fill that void that Chandler Jones left. But that doesn't necessarily mean that that's the only position or is the position that the Raiders will go and attack if they do an attack, uh, the, uh, you know, during the, the trade deadline, if they make a move before that October 31st deadline. So uh, when I look at it, I do believe the Raiders make a move and, you know, I asked the question on my radio show on Tuesday, do, do you think that they make a move? And if so, what position? You don't necessarily have to give me a player, but what, you know, what position do you think that they address? And I look at a couple different positions that could be addressed. I think they could look at the offensive line, the defensive line, or uh, some kind of versatile defensive back or corner, right? I mean, that's, that's really where I look. And I'll tell you this, I don't think that there's too many teams out there that are you know, aggressively looking to move on from their offensive linemen. Just because they're so hard to come by and you've got to protect your quarterback, they're so valuable that you've got to protect them. So I don't really see a whole lot of guys that are out there. I mean, I got a couple names uh, to maybe look at that could be on the way out that I jotted down. Uh, you know, but I really think the defensive line, uh, either the edge or tackle, makes a lot more sense. Right, it's something that's been reported already that they're looking for. Uh, you know, to, again, to go across from Max Crosby and allow Tyree Wilson to not have so much pressure on him right now. And I'll tell you. I mean, he, he's, he's uh, you know, according to Pro Football Focus, not doing a whole lot as of right now. And I know he's continuing to work. He's continuing to grind. He's trying to get better. He's trying to get to where he needs to be. But he's not there yet. So uh, I, I think that that's where they go. I think that they attack the defensive line, try to find somebody that's one of two things, either a really talented guy that still has, you know, a, a, a lot of good burn under him, but is going to need a contract extension or someone that's got a couple good years left in him, you know, and, and could – uh, kind of help ease Tyree Wilson into the mix, but you know he still has a couple good years and could and still be a compliment across from Max Crosby, even help bring some veteran leadership. So that's kind of how I look at it, that it can go. Uh, but there's also like a cornerback out there, some versatile defensive backs out there that could be had. Just a couple names that I want you to keep a, a, an eye out for that could be potential guys that the Raiders would be interested. Uh, I mentioned this before in Carolina. I look at defensive end Brian Burns. But also, according to Albert Breer, uh, safety Jeremy Chin has been made available and cornerback Dante Jackson. I was a big Jeremy Chin. Anyone who's been listening to this podcast for quite a while knows when Jeremy Chin came out in the draft, I was a big fan of him. He's a versatile dude. He's a safety, but he's very versatile. And I know right now you're looking at, okay, well, you got Marcus Epps. You got Trayvon Merrick. Uh, you know, you went out there and made the move for Chris Smith in the draft. Well, what do you need Jeremy Chin for? Well, he's a versatile guy. He could play multiple positions. So that'd be a guy I'm interested in. He's going into the, or he's in the last year of his contract. So he's going to need a contract extension sooner rather than later. But uh, maybe he's a guy that the Panthers would unload. And Dante Jackson, a corner, right? And I look at the Raiders in their cornerback position. I think that the secondary right now is still, uh, I don't want to say soft, but still not where it needs to be. Let's put it like that. Marcus Peters has been a disappointment. I think that's the easiest way to put it. Amik Robertson has made plays, so I can appreciate that. And Ja'Korian Bennett has, uh, you know, grown into the NFL uh, slow, right? He hasn't he hasn't really developed as quickly as you'd like to see him develop. Plus, he's been a little bit banged up. So I can see them going to make a move for like a guy like Chin or a guy like Dante Jackson, even if it's just to have that extra depth and have a really good player uh, available. Speaking of corners, there's one corner that I'm very intrigued by that is actually really good right now, playing for the team that the Raiders are going to be playing this week, the Chicago Bears. That's cornerback Jalen Johnson. A lot of folks were high on Jalen Johnson when he was coming out in the draft. Um, I'm very intrigued by him. And with the Bears having the bad record that they do, you know, one and five on the season, they're not very good. You know that they're not going anywhere anytime soon, especially Justin Fields looks like he's going to be out uh, at least this game against the Raiders and potentially multiple games. 
I can see them making a move and saying, all right, we're going to move on from Jalen Johnson and, and, you know, uh, and try to get some capital in return or maybe even get a, a position player. Like I, I mentioned earlier with Hunter Renfro, maybe they would like to get a Hunter Renfro in return for Jalen Johnson, right? Uh, I mean, I could, see, I could see a scenario like that as well, and I think that'd be a nice addition to the Raiders secondary. He's a versatile guy. He's a physical guy. Uh, he has ball skills, and he's, uh, you know, he's a guy that can uh, go and, and, and attack the run, right? He doesn't mind getting his nose in there and tackling. So that's another corner that I pay attention to from the Chicago Bears, uh, Jalen Johnson. How about the Patriots? They just left town. There's a couple players that the the Raiders could be paying attention to. Uh, outside linebacker Josh Uche, uh, he's there it, it really playing a role since uh, Judon went down. And I don't know if they want to move on from Uche just because he is playing that role. But the the record that they have, also 1-5, does not look good at all. Right? Obviously, there's a lot of, 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 of changes that needs to go on in New England. It might start with the head man and Bill Belichick, but... Uh, I, I could see them making a few wholesale moves, even though the one thing that makes me say maybe they wouldn't is because they just acquired J.C. Jackson, the cornerback. So if they're going to go out there and make a move, then it would really wouldn't make a whole lot of sense to go and trade another guy uh, away from the de- from the defensive side of things. But I guess if the price is right, maybe they could. But uh, Uche is definitely a player that I would look at. And also, I mentioned offensive linemen. There, there could be a guy or two that's out there that could be had. Uh, how about guard Michael Onwenu? Uh, and I think I'm saying his name wrong, too. He's versatile. Uh, he's not really great in the zone blocking scheme, but he could play both guard and right tackle. And obviously, the Raiders staff has plenty of familiarity with them. Dave Ziegler, uh, Josh McDaniels and company, they all know uh, those guys in the Patriots organization. They know the guys in the front office. So I think it'd be pretty easy to get uh, the Patriots on the phone and uh, talk about a guy like uh, Uche or uh, Onwenu, uh, the, the offensive lineman. How about the commanders? And I just got a couple more. Um, how about uh, Chase Young? Right, they've got to make a decision on uh, Montez Sweat or Chase Young. Both guys represented by the same agent. Both guys that need a contract extension. I know Chase Young has been injured quite a lot, uh, but he's back and he's playing well. He really is, and I, I'm I'll, I'll be intrigued to see if they do uh, try to keep Chase Young. I, I just feel like they're going to move on from him. I would love to see Chase Young across from Max Crosby, especially a motivated Chase Young. Again, he's been injured quite a bit, so maybe you can get him at a at a reasonable rate. But if you had him across with Max Crosby and Tyree Wilson being able to learn uh, from those two guys, that would be awesome. And I think he'd have a, a little bit of a chip on his shoulder because people are counting him out. I, w- I would love to see that. So I think that the guy, if one of those two guys is out of uh, D.C., it's going to be Chase Young. And I would have no problem if the Raiders went out and made a move for him. And then the final guy, and I've mentioned him before on the show, Vikings edge, Daniil Hunter. You know, he's a little bit older in the tooth, so he's not going to have as much uh, you know, burn left under him. You know, he, he doesn't have as much tread left on the tires, but I could see him being a player this year and even next year, and that could help ease Tyree Wilson into uh, his role, and, and, and hopefully you start to see a lot of progress, uh, a lot of production as well from the number seven overall pick from the silver and black Tyree Wilson out of Texas Tech. But uh, there could be other guys. There could be plenty of other guys that could be on the, the trade block. I mean, I'm hearing that, you know, Denver's making a lot of guys available. I just think that Sean Payton is too... Um, arrogant maybe is the right word. I think he's too set in his ways to say that, yeah, I'm not going to make a trade with the Raiders, even if it were to be the best one. I heard, Hell, I heard Pat Sertan could be available, but there's no way, there is absolutely no way the Broncos are going to trade a guy like Pat Sertan to the Raiders and have to face him twice a year. I, could, I, would ne- I would be shocked. You know, I know the Raiders traded Neil Farrell Jr. to the Chiefs, but Pat Sertan and Neil Farrell Jr. are way different animals, right? So uh, Pat Sertan is a player-player. Neil Farrell Jr. is a project, so uh, there's that. But 
if that dude was available or, you know, they have a couple other guys like a Justin Simmons, if he were available, I'd have no problem. And I hear that they are. I'd have no problem with the Raiders getting them. Just don't think the, the Broncos would make those guys available, not to the division rivals that are the Raiders. So that's what I got for you for seven number two of today's Locked On Raiders podcast. Just wanted to address the trade deadline as we're less than two weeks away from that October 31st uh, deadline and, and have some names out there that you can keep your eye on and ear out for to see if they could potentially be on the move. Coming up in segment number three, I got your calls and texts, 707-654-4693. Before I get to that, though, I do want to let you know that today's show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all know that life presents challenges, right? Some challenges are bigger and greater than others, right? Some challenges really push you uh, to the limits and other challenges just stress you out. And what I mean by that is when you're laying in bed and you're, you can't sleep and your mind is stuck on, on, on certain subjects, and that happens to me all the time. It happens to me all the time. And so sometimes you just need to be able to talk it out. Sometimes you need to have somebody that, you know, can sit down and listen to you and, uh, you know, give you some advice and try to get, you know, your head right and get you out of that anxiety type place. You know, sometimes you just can't do for yourself. So therapy will help you figure out what's holding you back. Uh, you can work for yourself instead of working against yourself. If you're thinking of starting therapy, you should give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, which is awesome. Designed to be convenient, it's flexible, and it's suited to your schedule. So all you got to do to get started, fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist. And if that one's not working out for you, no sweat. You can switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Make your brain your friend with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash locked on today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P.com slash locked on. Your Locked On Raiders, your daily podcast on the Las Vegas Raiders. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Here we go, Raider Nation. It's segment number three of today's Locked On Raiders podcast. Your calls and texts. You're off that Locked On Raider podcast voicemail line, 707-654-4693. Let's start things off with a call from Stealth B in the 757. He's calling to talk about Jimmy G and what he feels about him as the quarterback of the Silver and Black. Here he is, Stealth B in the 757. AQ Stealth. B Raider from the 757. Hey, just want to check on you, give you my weekly update on what my thoughts are. Uh, listen to um, you and your cohorts talk about uh, the last game, and I think the reality is, is that uh, Jimmy is not the answer. I want Jimmy G to be healthy, but he is not the person that uh, your cohort think that he is. I mean, He's the reason why Jacobs can get the ball through the line. I mean, they're stacking the box because they know that Jimmy can't throw the deep ball. So they're just lining five to seven guys up that we can't get through. Also, he's throwing a medicine ball, and he's getting Adams killed because he doesn't have the arm strength to get him the ball in the right position. So he's, he's getting him crushed. That's why Adams really wants ALC to be the quarterback. So in reality... I'd rather see anybody out there other than Jimmy G because he's not the answer. Brian Hoyer, AOC, anybody. Because then we will open up the offense, and I think that's reality. And I think you believe that as well. So um, hopefully, like I said, Jimmy's okay, but I've seen enough of him. I don't need to see any more. As far as my last call, I talked about Trayvon Moore, how he was driving me crazy, but that was in the beginning of the year. And I, I must admit that he's been turning things around, so pleasantly surprised. And uh, 
hopefully he can continue down the path of becoming better and getting the defense better. So, um, Q, just keep doing what you're doing. Hopefully I'll see you in the next couple of home games uh, when the Giants and the Jets play. And uh, go Raiders. Thank you so much for the call, my man. Definitely appreciate you. And uh, not so sure who my co- cohorts are. Uh, not sure who you're talking about in that situation, but I guess none of that really matters. Um, I'm interested to see Aiden O'Connell at some point. Sure. Uh, I'm not interested in seeing him right now. Right, And this was the conversation I was having week three when the Raiders were playing the Chargers, and I thought Brian Hoyer was the best for that job that week because I felt like it was only going to be a weak job, and there was no reason to put Aiden O'Connell out there, start him, and then stop him, and then go back later on and start him, and then stop him, start him, and then stop him. That is doing nothing for his development, and everyone wants to see what he has. Everyone wants to know what he brings to the table. The only way you're going to find out, get a real sample size of who Aiden O'Connell is, is not by a start and stop type situation. You're going to have to see four, five, six maybe games in a row, right? And so if that means stardom this week and and that you want to see those six games in a row, okay, right? If Jimmy G is going to miss that time, fine. But as a team sitting there at three and three heading to Chicago with a great opportunity to go to four and three, I think, the again, the best opportunity is a veteran quarterback that's going to be going up against a rookie quarterback that hasn't got starts before, right? I mean, it just it makes all the sense. This is setting up for Brian Hoyer to be the guy at least this week. Now, whatever happens next week, that's a conversation for next week. But I think for this week, when the Raiders are taking on the Bears, which is a very winnable game, yes, I'm sure Aiden O'Connell could go in there and, and probably manage and do pretty good well as uh, also, but... I think that you need to go in there and solidify a victory, not, you know, not leave it to chance. You, you want to, you have to improve to four and three. Your best chance to do that, I believe, is with Brian Hoyer. So, uh, yeah, I'm interested to see him. I'm just not interested to see him right now. But thanks for the call. Appreciate you. Uh, up next, a text from Raider Ruben. He said, what's up, Q? Raider Ruben here. It's funny how people call themselves Raider fans. You never boo your team or individual players. I have my opinion. I have my own opinion about players or how the Raiders are doing. That's humiliating as a fan to hear that, that makes me feel ashamed for so-called fans like that everyone wants a winning team. You got to take the bumps and bruises, good and bad, no matter what. I'm a Raider, win, lose, or tie. Uh, Raiders side die. Raiders, that's from Raider Ruben. Uh, it was a little bit jumbled and messed up text, but I understand what he's trying to say. He was talking about when Brian Hoyer took the field on Sunday against the Patriots coming out of the locker room at halftime, and the boos rang down in a major way. And I thought sitting in the press box, that was pretty bad too. I thought, come on, man, you can't boo him. Uh, he's the guy that you're trying to uh, hope that he he leads you to the to a victory at the end of the game. Remember, Aiden O'Connell was inactive. He was the emergency quarterback. So just in case emergency break glass, but that means that Brian Hoyer would have had to be, uh, you know, uh, injured in the game as well. So even all those boos were for nothing. He couldn't have came in until Hoyer came in anyway. But I love the fact that Hoyer threw that 48-yard shot to Trey Tucker and everyone went from booing to cheering quick, fast, in a hurry. But, yeah, I don't see the point of booing uh, the Raiders either. I don't care who's out there. As long as you get they got a Raider jersey on, I'm cheering for them. I want them to be successful. So thanks for the text. I do appreciate you. Up next, got a call from Jacob in Hanford. He's calling to talk about the defense and the success they're currently having and has a question about head coach Josh McDaniels and the role he's playing in that. Here he is, Jacob in Hanford. What's up, Q? This is Jacob from Hanford. I have a quick question. I noticed that right now, you know, our defense is, in terms of points, it's ranked 19th. And that's not incredibly good, but uh, something that's kind of unheard of for us is right now our defense is 11th in yards per game. And, you know, we just, I think you just mentioned we had uh, five interceptions in the last six games. 
that's pretty good. I think we're on pace right now to be a pretty good defense, middle of the pack, what we've been asking them to be. My question for you, how much do you think Josh McDaniel's experience with a defensive loaded Patriots has to do with our success or, you know, averageness, middle of the packness on defense? Because I believe he was uh, not a defensive coordinator, but he was a defensive coach for one of their first Super Bowls. I don't know. Uh, do you have any input on that? That's basically my question. All right, Q. Appreciate what you do. Have fun. God bless. Raiders. Thank you for the call, my man. And, yeah, McDaniels, he started off on the defensive side of things before he trans- uh, transitioned to the offense. But um, I-, I don't think that he has a whole lot to do with the defense. Now, I know he knows the defense. Uh, I know that, you know, uh, guys talk about it. Players in the locker room always talk about, yeah, he's the offensive mind and head coach, but he also knows defense. He also knows this, that, and the other. Like, I get all that, but uh, I, I think you just got to tip the cap to Patrick Graham, who, you know, they, he's up in the booth now. Uh, they made a, a decision as a team for him to be there so he could see the field a little bit better. And, you know, it seems like the last few games it's really worked. And you got to also give credit to the defense for understanding what Patrick Graham is wanting and the position that he's putting them in, and to go out there and make plays to the best of their ability in the last couple of games, they've definitely done that. So thank you so much for that uh, that call. I do appreciate you. I got a text from uh, Kudia in Quincy, California. He said, what's up, Q? Been a fan of your podcast for years now. I'm texting in from Quincy, California. You had a caller the other day talking about why are we running the ball in the red zone so much when it's not working. I would have to agree with him. Now hear me out. I'm not saying throw the ball 40 times at all. I'm just saying we're getting to the red zone, right? So change it up once in a while when we get there. Why not? The run isn't working in the red zone, so disguise the pass with a run play. What do we have to lose? A touchdown that nine times out of ten we won't make by any way by running the ball. Also, if we trade Hunter, we should go with offensive linemen to help out the run and protect Jimmy better. Then maybe our plays can develop more and we could establish the run, which we're running we're a running team, right? It's hard to watch the team. It's hard to watch the game when we are in the red zone because I can call these very predictable plays sitting on my couch at home. If McDaniels is a guru in play calling, why can't we all call his plays before he does? It must be very easy for other teams to game plan against us. It's better to be unpredictable, especially in the red zone. So, yes, try to establish the run. But if not, working in the red zone, then obviously throw the ball. Anyway, Q, thank you for your time. I love your podcast. I think you're amazing at what you do. Holler at your boy, Kudia, from Quincy, California. I'm out. And thanks for the text. And, yeah, I'm not saying don't throw the ball in the red zone. I'm not saying that at all. Matter of fact, I spent the whole segment, segment number two, talk, or segment number one, excuse me, talking about throwing the ball into the end zone when you get to the red zone. But uh, just up and down the, the field, you can't just be a passing team. They have to establish the run. Again, this team is not built just to be a passing team. Like, remember when the, the Chiefs won the Super Bowl last year? They really didn't run that much. I mean, they have guys that can get it done. They didn't really have an emphasis on the run game. But that's because they had weapons all over the field and they had a quarterback like Patrick Mahomes who was built to throw the ball 40-something times. Jimmy G has never been built to throw the ball like that, right? And so they have to establish the run. What I get frustrated in is, like you said, the predictable play calling, the first down, give the Jacobs, stuffed at the line. Second down, give the Jacobs, one-yard gain, two-yard gain. Third down, behind the sticks, throw the ball out of bounds or, you know what I mean, or, or throw it short of the, of the sticks and hope that somebody can make a play or throw it short of the goal line and hope someone can get in the end zone. That's what frustrates me. I think the play calling is so predictable because the offensive line struggles. Uh, I just don't see where they can go and how quickly they can upgrade the offensive line. They can make a move for an offensive lineman out there. Uh, I mentioned one uh, earlier in, in segment number two of today's show, uh, but I, I don't really know if that's going to be an immediate upgrade anyway. Right, I think the, the offensive line is really hampering 
uh, Josh McDaniels from opening up this playbook and getting not predictable, right? Because you're right. I mean, in the red zone, uh, hell, most of the plays up and down the field, when they bring in Thayer Mumford in that jumbo package, I sit in the press box and say, here comes a run. Here comes a handoff to Jacobs. And nine times out of ten, that's exactly what it is. So, I mean, it's very predictable, you know. And, again, I think it's just because Josh McDaniels doesn't have confidence in his offensive line, which means he doesn't have confidence uh, for the whole playbook when it comes to his offense in general. So thanks so much for that text. I do appreciate you. And that's all I got time for on today's show. Got a call from Raider Ramos and a text from Tori in the 605. Logan from PA. I'll get all those on uh, tomorrow and Friday's show for sure. Uh, and of course, we have the crossover edition as well. Tomorrow, Lauren Cox, host of Locked On Bears, will join the show to talk about the storylines, the matchups, you know, what's it going to take for each team to get a victory. Crossover Thursday is what we call it here on the podcast uh, network. And so we look forward to that as well. We'll have news and notes. We'll talk to head coach Joshua Daniels a little bit later on today at the Intermountain Health Performance Center, I believe about 11 o'clock in the morning. Maybe we'll have uh, uh, Jimmy's in or Jimmy's out a little bit of an update from head coach Joshua Daniels. So that's coming up around 11 o'clock in the morning. So until then, Raider Nation, until tomorrow, take care of yourself, take care of your family, love on your family. Most importantly, as always, just win, baby.